Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Well, happy Valentine's Day. Lord of mercy, it's going to be rough this morning. Jesus. Touch your neighbor, sir. You awake? All right, you found John chapter 17. We believe in the Word of God, so let's get in here. Uh, we're going to pull it up on the screen, but listen, we need to have the Word in your lap. You need to have it on your phone or, or whatever you got it with, but, but let's get in the Word. I started something on John, uh, Wednesday night out of John chapter 17. I was so full of it, I preached for an hour and just finally had to shut it down. I was not done. I want to go back on that thing this morning and probably just going to preach a series out of this. I always preach series by accident. Uh, and so when I stumble across something that I just can't get over, I just, um, I'll have to stay with it. And so I really just want to talk about, uh, really, um, if I was going to title this series, I'd probably title it The Cry of Community. Um, or um, when I use the word family, I'm talking about community and, and, and all of that. And so uh, I'm not talking about necessarily just our community of Cook County. I'm talking about the community of believers that is in this room. God did not save you to bring you to corporate America. He saved you to bring you into a family. Come on now. The church is not a corporate structure, a business structure. Come on, church, help me out. It is a family. And we find all the way back in the book of Exodus, God didn't save me to make me a preacher. He didn't save Emmett to make him a guitarist. He didn't save Dusty to make him a teacher or a phenomenal business leader or, or any of that. The Bible says that He brought us out in the book of Exodus. Says he brought us out that He may bring us unto Himself. God was not happy with all of creation until he created a family. Come on now. And, and God so loved the world that he what gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God's whole heart beat and all he wanted was a family. Jesus is now not the only son of God. He was the firstborn among what? Many brethren is what Paul said in the book of Romans. And now we, by which we cry, Abba, Father, are sons and what? Daughters of God. Really sons of God. Women have to be a son. Listen, I have to be a bride. Are you with me now? So uh, let's look at uh, Jesus' prayer. Uh, in John 17, this is, uh, this is Jesus um, uh, is praying uh, in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane. And so we, we said this on Wednesday night as parents. Um, when we leave the house, um, we do not leave our boys home alone. Glory to God, we probably would not come back to a home. <laughs> no, but anyhow, we don't leave them alone. And, uh, but anyhow, we, as they get older, we leave them alone. So the last thing you're going to tell them when you leave is the most important. Okay? So Jesus is fixing to leave the earth, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. And so he wasn't, say, uh, he wasn't praying, now lay me down to sleep. He was praying in an intercession. Uh, and so uh, let's look at this in verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, how many know Jesus is praying for you and I right here? He's not just praying for the disciples, but he's praying for those who's going to believe what? After them through his word. Look at this. That they all may be as one as you. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, 
that the world may believe that you have sent me. Listen, how the world comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus, according to this scripture, one way is how we model life together as believers. Nobody wants to come to a church that is not really family or community. People are looking for a family to join. Are you with me now? You don't join this church or, or first of all, we don't have a membership that you're going, um, where your name's on a roll book. A name don't mean nothing on a roll book if you're not connected and involved. Will y'all help me preach this morning? Well, we got 300 people on the roll, but you got 80 people you're exchanging life with. That's the size church you have. Are you with me? There's a bunch of people. We could go get a bunch of names. Lord, we could probably get 700 names who's been through the door of this church. But the ones we have as family are the, is the ones that we are exchanging life together. I'm telling you that America in, in this community and everywhere else, they're hungry to join a place that they can find true camaraderie and true family where there's true authentic love for one another. Jesus said, this way the world knows that you are my disciple. You don't know that you're my, my disciple by chewing someone else's lunch. I better quit. See, I mainly got believers in here. Uh, man, I better hold on. I want to jump on a rabbit. Four quail just got up, and I want to shoot them. Let, let's, let me finish this. And the glory which you've given me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and I have loved them as you have loved me. Listen, Jesus' prayer, he's fixing to leave the earth, and the main thing that's on his heart is that you and I would become one. Now, one of the things we've done is uh, we've worked at that, and I worked, labored for about seven years trying to, listen, he's not concerned if the Baptist, the Methodist, the Foursquare, the, the Nazarene, the Tangerine, and the Church of God, uh, and the Assemblies of God, all of us become one. Listen, there's no denominations in the Bible. There's just a family that God created in the earth. We're all on one team, believe that or not. Every church in this community is just as important as the one sitting here. We each have a job and a slice of the pie that God has called us to in this area. Each church has a destiny. Are you with me now? And so um, the, the Lord uh, wants us all. We've got to realize and see that all is one team. But um, in most communities, we don't see ourselves as on as one team. We see ourselves as in competition with the church down the road. Listen, community is not independent living. I'm going to just re-highlight some things, and I'm going to try to get to some new stuff uh, in just a moment. But community is not independent living. It is much easier to live independent than it is to live in community. To live in community is really, we have to be proactive, and it's a difficult thing to do. It is easy to isolate yourself and live as an independent person. Actually, I do independence really well versus community. Now, Catherine could just, you could throw her in a new pot of people and she's just going to be bubbling, opening up, and running over. Um, I remember this was several years ago. There's a place that we enjoy on Amelia Island. It's uh, the Elizabeth Point Lodge, and I enjoy that place now. But when we first went to Elizabeth Point Lodge, when we opened the door, there was, it's a bed and breakfast, and there was all these couples sitting by the fire downstairs. I walked in and told Catherine, Get in the truck, we gone. 
<laughs> I like for one person to be in there, hand me my room key, and I'm gone. And Catherine was like, just hold on now. Just go in here and let's just open. I mean, these people down there, you know, eating salmon on crackers and some of them was, you know, drinking wine. It was a bed and breakfast. And I'm like, I'm not sitting by that fire because I don't really want to communicate with other people. Am I the only one in the room like that? But, the, but listen, the goal of God is that we would come in this place and let our walls down. If you have walls, you can't give what you have and you can't receive what I have. And every person has something to give in this room. Every person is a warehouse of seeds sitting in this room. You have, if God called you here, you have what we need. But we can't get what you have if you got walls up and you won't let someone in. All right, so listen. We, we read this verse of Scripture right here. Pull up Proverbs 18.1. Proverbs 18.1. I'm going to read some Proverbs uh, this morning. and um, Proverbs 18.1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So listen. We know that there's a battle. The battle is to for us not there, there's a battle against community for us becoming one. Okay? And the enemy, what he loves to do is isolate us. This is how he isolates us in the church. One of the things we do is we believe we're the only one struggling with what we're struggling with. The all the real reality is everyone in this room is struggling with something this morning. Come on now. Every person in this room is struggling with something. All of our marriages are not pristine and clean. Hello. Why? Because I'm in a room with a bunch of humans. There's no, there's no marriage that is perfect. Marriage has to be worked at. And the only way we fail is when we stop where we stop willing to work at it. And so what we're in is we, we also have a room full of wealth in marriage because there's men and women sitting in this room that have made it beyond 50 years. There's people in this room that has made it beyond 30 years. And there's some wisdom that is in making it beyond 50 years that you could help us that has just been in it a decade. But what happens, I will never receive that resource as long as I have walls up and I try to keep my life hidden. So it's a deal there to keep us uh, um, isolated. We, we, we went over this verse of Scripture. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Wednesday night, I'm just trying to recap for Wednesday night. Um, look at this. That Listen, this deal, but you know, because I've seen this, I've seen people uh, say this, this statement. Well, it's just me and Jesus. I'm telling you, friend, that's not, that's not true at all. You and Jesus is going to get killed. Well, it's just, he walks with me. He talks with me. And then we got bumper stickers that Christian ride down the road with that says me plus Jesus equals majority. That's not all the way true. You plus Jesus in the body of Christ is majority. Come on, we need one another. Listen, schools, I mean, fish swim in schools. The reason why they do that is not to be cool. It's for safety. 
wild game travel in herds not to be cool but because there's safety and Jesus never sent one out on their own and said you go be the total package and we said this Wednesday night Lex Luger is in retirement there is no one else walking with the total package alright now look at how Jesus said this now this is Jesus Look at this in in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and therefore remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way, and first be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Jesus is saying that family is so important that if you want to get up and bring your $10,000 check this morning, but as you on your way, remember that your brother has something against you what he's saying put the 10 grand on hold the relationship with your brother is worth more than any money you could ever drop in the coffer hello when it's all said and done all we have on this earth is the relationships that we have established we're not going to take the money with us hello I heard of a, a millionaire, whatever, whatever, when he was dying, he told his wife, he said, I want you to put all of my money in the casket with me. And so when she went to the funeral home or whatever, she wrote out a check and put it in the coffin with him. Listen, what Jesus is saying, the relationship that Harry and I have is far more valuable than the gift that I could offer. And if I realize when I'm coming to the front that I have a problem with Harry and I, that I should put what I'm going to do on hold until I go fix that. That's how much Jesus thinks about community. He also said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. That is not talking about two Christian people that just come together. That is talking about people that are in intimacy walking with a common union of the Lordship of Jesus that dwell in community. There I am in the midst of them. It's deeper than this. Let's go on. Now, look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. When I first started out in ministry, I didn't believe that you could preach the same thing twice. I said, well, if I preach the same thing twice, people think you ain't studying, you ain't praying. So therefore, you're just preaching the same thing over. What I found now, after, you know, almost two decades, sometimes you got to preach something three or four times to see it established. Because you hear just bits and pieces, okay? Well, so you get home, and you, well, the preacher just wants us to be a family. Well, next week, you done, you know, after three fights at home throwing dishes, come on. I've seen it. Hey, now tell me this is not true. Husband and wife. On the way to church, fighting. That ain't never happened to y'all. I know y'all, nobody's ever done that. Just only me. Blood pressure through the roof. You're beating the kids down in the car. But you get out and get to the church, walk in, there's a preacher. Hallelujah, glory to God. How you doing today? When we when we passed it over in Amel, we had we had a um, a forty five mile journey, and I told Catherine that was back. How many members when gas was like four dollars or something? Got praise God, we can drive. You know what I'm saying? And so we had big SUVs and big trucks. You know what I'm saying? And so we, I told Catherine, I said we fix to start driving separate. I said so. I'm so jacked up when I get to the church that I can't even minister the gospel. 
We're trying to get three kids ready, pack them in like sardines, hit McDonald's, and then McDonald's tell you, please pull forward. I'm already running late. Please pull forward. Just forget the biscuit. Throw us what you got. We got to get to the house of God. And so I'm, my blood pressure's through the roof time I get to the church. I can't even think what I'm going to preach this morning. Then one day we left. John Bentley climbs out. No, yeah, it was John Bentley, wasn't it? He climbs out of the third seat and gets in the back, back there between the third seat and the back hatch of water, and he's laying down. We've left the church. We're on the way to go eat. And I look and I see Asher. He's propped up in his car seat. Grant's over there, and John Bentley's not in his seat. I locked the brakes down. Oh, my God, we've left the child at the church. Turn around, and he pops up in the back. What this means is, listen, life is going on. These are real things. Listen, but what we realize is inside this church, we're all human beings. We have the ability to fail one another, but yet God said, this is the people that I chose that you should do life together. Listen, if Ruth did not choose Naomi, when she chose Naomi, what she chose was the will of God for her life. Man, that's good right there. All right, look at this. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I've heard this scripture. This has just been revelation to me in the past little bit. I've heard this scripture quoted a bunch in my life. I've preached from this, and I've quoted it a ton. But listen. When Peter's talking about being humble, it is in the context of us being willing to submit to one another. Now, what we've done throughout the shepherding movement that came in the 70s and things is still trickled down through the apostolic movement as we thought that we were supposed to be submitted just to the man that's preaching or leading our church. Are you with me? What we wanted and what really what happened in that was a lot of control and manipulation got involved in that. God never wants anyone to control your life but Him. Are you with me? And it's not just resist the devil, he'll flee, but submit yourself to God. Then resist the devil and he'll flee. If you're not submitted to God, you, you try to resist all you want and he's beating your teeth out. But if you're submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, then resist the devil and he'll flee. So here's the deal. What Peter's saying is, listen, the younger ones should submit to your elders. There's a reason why. It's kind of like Mark Twain. Remember the quote by him when Mark Twain said when he was 16, his father was the dumbest person he had ever met. But by the time he was 30, he was amazed at how much the old man learned in a few years. Are you with me? I remember the first new truck I bought. My father tried to instruct me. He said, there's nothing wrong with your truck. Do not buy a new truck. I said, Dad, you don't understand. I'm making $10 an hour. I, mean, I don't know if you, I'm making $10 an hour. I went against his judgment, bought the truck. After about seven months of those payments, my truck was paid for. That truck didn't look near as good. And so, and then, yeah, I, tr I tried to sell it or whatever. The whole time, Dad was like, I told you so. There's a reason why the Bible says for us to submit to one another. But it doesn't just say submit to the leadership, the, to the elders. It says that we are to submit our lives to one another. 
Listen, the only, this is how momentum and discipleship takes place in a church. You don't get discipled by coming and listening to me on Sunday morning. Your discipleship process is who you're hooked to during the week. Good grief. It, th- your connection point, that's how you're discipled. Listen, if we don't have the older women teaching the younger women how to cook, we're fixing to go into a TV dinner society. My sister texted me yesterday, they're, they're, uh, my brother-in-law's uh, aunt and uncle, which was really like grandparents to them, she's 95, not doing good, and she just wanted me to pray for her or whatever, and just said the doctors had said she doesn't have long left. Or whatever. But I remember listening to Susie one morning, Catherine and I was sitting there, you remember, she said, I get up every morning at 5 a.m., and she said, Lord has fresh biscuits by 5.30 I said, I said, Miss Susie, I said, I'm going to hold a women's conference at the church. I want you to come speak on, on behalf of the men. But listen, we got a generation that don't know nothing about cooking fresh biscuits. Why? Listen, it, it doesn't m- m- just matter about that. But listen, there's a, there's a process and a responsibility that God has called for the family that the older should be training the younger. Lord, have mercy. All right. So listen, so we have grace that we deposit in each other's lives. It's not just you and Jesus. It's, 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 it's the whole deal. Listen, so I'm going to recap this, and I'm going into two new things. The benefits of community is strength. And I said this on Wednesday night in, in, in your absence, but one of the things, the reason why you have endured the storm that you have endured, number one, is because of the two people sitting beside you. Awesome parents. You believe that? The next thing is the strength of the community that you've drawn from this body of believers. So there's strength that comes by being connected to a body of believers. Listen, how many of you, and we talk about this, that they self-made millionaires. There's no such thing as a self-made anything. You had to have somebody to pour into your life. I am the, the, the benefits that I have preaching the gospel today and the leadership that is on my life is a multifacet of many people that took time to pour into Catherine and I sitting over a dinner table. We took our problems to them when we were crying and broken. They took time to mend us. Listen, that, that is it. We are a, uh, every Major League Baseball player that I've ever stood up. Listen, there, there's multi-streams that develop that person and who they are. And we said this Wednesday night that a man is not developed on a stage. He is developed in a cave. God always develops our lives in the hidden place. And it's the dark times we go through that God is developing us. A baby's developed in the darkness of the womb. Pictures are developed in a dark room. The dark places that we hate that come our way, listen, those are the very nutrients that God is using to develop our lives. And when we're in community, He gives us grace and strength that comes from our fellow brother to endure the hard times. That's good preaching. So listen, there's strength that comes from the family. There's safety that comes from the family. And God speaks through the family. I'm going to go through this in more detail later. But the, out of, out of, uh, when Paul is writing about the gifts of the Spirit, listen, I believe there's far more gifts than nine. He just only highlights nine in the book of Corinthians. But the first five of those nine are gifts that flow through people. So when we're not connected to community, you cut off five ways that God speaks to your life. Gosh. Now, Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 12. 
I set this up like Perry Stone. If you ever listen to Perry Stone, it takes him an hour to develop a message and an hour to preach a message. I will not take that long. I got the time, okay? We have three elders that time me on my preaching, and if I go beyond that, they cut my pay. I'm playing. So listen. <laughs> Lord, I got to stop. Listen, while, in the way of announcements, too, that next Sunday, we're going to have a Sunday night service at 6 o'clock, okay? Pastor Bo Turner from Real Life Church will be back in here next Sunday night. You do not want to miss that. Also, next Sunday morning, we're going to lay hands uh, on uh, Cleve and Allison and put them uh, as, as part of the leadership team. So, excited about that. Excited about what God's done in his life. So, let's look at this in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Look at this. I like how he's writing this. He says, if it is possible. <laughs> I mean, if it is possible, look at this. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Why y'all got hearts on the screen? No, I'm playing. <laughs> it's awful feminine, man. This is a masculine church. Look at it. Look at this. If it is possible... As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a lot depending on you in this thing. Listen, there's a lot depending on you whether you're going to make it in community or not. It ain't the preacher's responsibility, and it's not, it's not my elder's responsibility or my staff's responsibility for you to make it in community. There's a lot depending on you. First of all, I have to know that I'm going to choose this thing. Are you with me? I got four sets to know. Listen, I have to choose this. There's two things. We have to work at it, and we have to be proactive, and we have to be committed. I'm committed to family. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who hangs with the wise. Pull Pro Proverbs 13.20. For me right here, can, can we get this on the screen? I wrote this uh, uh, down to show you that it, it matters a whole lot of the community you're hanging with. Can we get that Proverbs 13, 20? Who, who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. It matters who you're hanging with. Are you with me now? My dad used to say this, if you hang with dogs, you're going to get fleas. You wonder why your life has fleas. It's because who you're running with. If you run with eagles, you'll soar with eagles. If you hang with buzzards, you'll walk in defeat. It matters who you're hanging with. Listen, I'm friends with anybody, but very few people playing into my life. I'm going to know you. I'm going to know your life before I receive any of your counsel. But he who hangs with the wise will be wise. Here's the thing. This is the blessing of community. I'm not a handyman. It's, listen, if it's, if it's outside of fiber optic and, and, and underground cable and stuff like that and preaching in the Bible, I can handle that somewhat. But now I can't, I can't, uh, I can't put shingles on the house. <laughs> we're getting a new sink and all. Kevin wants a farmhouse sink, but the one, the, the faucet we got is leaking. She's how you gonna fix that? I said, let me. I said, you got any bowls in here? Put it under the sink. I dump it out every three days. 
We get a new sink anyhow. That's my handyman. I can run some saws and stuff a little bit. So I told Jesse, you know, uh, one of our favorite movies together, that he and I know this, is Tombstone. And so I cut a board or whatever, and you remember on Tombstone when Doc Holliday went and fought Johnny Ringo, he told uh, White, he said, I'm not as sick as I made out to be. I told Jesse, I said, I'm not as ignorant as I made out to be about a saw. But listen to this, through community, I don't have to have that gift. I just have to know someone with the gift. And listen, when God said, I, I said this Wednesday night, we're not called to offer our best. I, I, I can give God my best and it's not good enough. God never expected me and brought me here to, for me to give my best. He hooked me up with people that has the best of what I don't have. And I'm to get our best. Are you with me now? If I'm struggling in my finances, there's people in here that has broke the realm in finances. Can we say that? Well, a lot of times when people break through the realm of finances, what we do in the church because we're all poor and broke, we start mocking them, well, they got to be doing something lucrative to make it. How could it be that God just simply is exalting the humble and blessing them for the seed sown? So here's the deal. If I want my finances to change and my life to change in that area, God gives me a well to draw from. All right, matters who you hang with. As much as depends on me, so there's something depending on me, I've got to choose. First thing I've got to choose with my personality is, is that I can't isolate myself. I've got to willingly choose community, okay? For some, it comes easy. Like Catherine, we can go in a restaurant. She's going, Catherine's going to see four people. She's going to stop. She's going to tell somebody how good their hair looks. This is me when I walk in a restaurant. I'm looking straight down, going straight to my table. I'm just telling my own sins. This is one of the things we used to fight about on the way to church because I didn't tell the lady at McDonald's how pretty, or not, not really tell her how pretty. I, she'd probably slap me for that. But um, because I wasn't nice. Because if they told me to pull up, I said, y'all ain't never done that, hey? Y'all probably in there, t- y'all probably quote the King James. You pull up. Shemiko, thank you. We just we need a little more time to meditate and pray over the blessing of God while we wait. Pull up to Zaxby's and order chicken fingers at 1159. Sir, can you please pull up? Don't you think most Americans eat around 12 o'clock? Have a few extra cooked. Praise God. And then the next thing I tell Catherine is, man, I need to, I need to work at this establishment to teach some management going on up in here. And the whole way to church, see, you wasn't nice. God cares about how you treat the people. What they did not see, they did not see Jesus, they saw me. But the goal is they see Jesus. Are you with me? So as much as it matters, so, so here the, here, here's this. Listen, the, there's, there's some hurdles that we got to overcome as a family if we want to be family. Okay, And so what I'm talking about, listen, I'm not interested in, I told you this Wednesday, but I'm going to say it again, I'm not interested in building no great big church here in this community. What I am interested in is building your life. Are you with me? And us to develop true family. And so I've heard this preached a lot. We, you, we used to preach this in our leadership stuff and say we're family, but yet we would stand up and we couldn't say what the name of each other's children were. We're not family. It's awful quiet. We're not family. If you don't know the names of my children, we're not family. 
If you don't know where I live, we're not family. We're acquaintances. And the way your life gets, is going to get changed, the way you're going to have momentum. I just look back at I've been in this thing since I was uh, really got on fire when I was 18, started preaching the gospel at age 18. And what we had was, I mean, we just had times in people's houses. That's where I got it. A lot of this can't be taught. It's caught. How do you catch it? By hanging with people. I can teach you what I know, but listen, a lot of it is picked up and it's caught as you see us model life. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. What was he talking about? Model my life the way you see I model my life. Treat your wife like I treat mine. Handle your finances like I handle mine. And so the goal of God is not so that you can come to, to sit on a chair at Cornerstone and call yourself a part of Cornerstone and, and because you write a check and think that... No, God wants more than that. He wants you connected. Are you with me? Why, why, which every joint supplies and receives. The only way you're going to receive is that you become a joint that is supplying. Let me just say this. We're not connected because you like us on Facebook. We, listen, we're in, a, we're in a culture now that has never been more connected, but yet we're disconnected. You don't know me because you saw me on the Internet. We got kids that can't look straight in the eyes of other kids and talk to them. Listen, I was, I, we were sitting down in a, in a restaurant yesterday. Uh, I had the greatest day yesterday. Uh, we went to watch our boys play ball. Catherine was, went with one child. Uh, she went with Grant, and I went with John Ben, and we went like this, but we was going to watch some baseball, okay? I spent most of my day on the playground with Asher looking over watching John Bentley. And so John Ben said that uh, I told him it was his first tournament or whatever, and I said, where do you want to eat lunch? He said, I want some crab legs and lobster. I said, hey, now, there's a, there's a McDonald's. No, we don't really feed a McDonald's. I said, there's a, I said that... Um, Chick-fil-A's got the playground. See anyhow, wound up going to Red Lobster. And I was watching a couple that was supposed to have Valentine. I guess they were celebrating Valentine's Day or whatever. It's today, but they were having a meal. But listen, both of them had their phones out. There was no deep communication going on. He was in his phone and she was in her phone and no life was exchanged. Listen, the reason why we're gonna the reason why we do fellowship meals is not so that you can save 40 bucks that night and come feed the children. It's that you would sit down at a table and you would begin to exchange your life with the person sitting across that table. Tell me how's it going. One of the things that I was thought about this a lot, how you left the service Wednesday night, and this is one thing he said. Mr. Harry said that I've heard this preached, but he said I've yet to see a people that is willing to do it. Listen, I pray to God we're at a place and we got a people that is willing to really become community and family in this room. I know I got seven. If I got seven, the rest to get on board. Okay, so here's the deal. One of the roadblocks and the hurdles that we got to get over is we were all raised really jacked up. Nobody grew up in the perfect home. And there's not a perfect church. If you think that church is perfect, please do not join it because you're going to ruin it. You know the reason why the church is not perfect? Because we're people. 
that needs to be a revelation. Listen, preachers are humans. I used to think that. I didn't think that my preacher was human. I mean, the, the, the preacher that I was trained up under was so prophetic, you walk by them, they tell you what you have for lunch. When Kathy and I was dating, we dared, we dared hardly even look at one another because I was afraid my pastor would see it. That's the ram of God they walked in. Am I telling them a story? I remember my first cousin. I, I invited them to come to church. They started coming to church. My pastor walked by on a work day. On a work day. We was working at the church. She stopped and she said, I hope you're ready. You got the house ready. She said, the Lord said, you're going to give birth to a child. Whatever. Two weeks later, she was pregnant. Well, I mean, we, when, I, when our pastor come in, we was, oh, my God. But you know what? I walked through a failure with my pastor. And I realized, you know what? They're just a human. Now, there's not a person in this room that has not been done wrong by somebody. Have we been done wrong? Here's the facts about being done wrong. You perceived you were done wrong or you were done wrong. A lot of times I perceive I've done wrong. But I'm going to get to this if i got time. See, y'all watching my time? I ain't past 12 yet, am because it would be legal if we run past 12. But we got to stay around 12 and make it legal. So here's the deal. We don't trust each other. The reason why I'm not going to let my walls down, because I don't trust you, man. It's awful quiet in the room. We don't trust one another. But listen, what we're basically saying in that is I don't trust God. It's not that I don't trust you. We say, well, I, I just don't trust, man, I just don't trust Terry. I don't trust Mr. Tom. He's a lawyer. There's an old preacher that was dying, great man of God that was dying. And one of his last requests is he said this. He said, I want you to go get an IRS agent on one side of the bed and get a lawyer on the other side of the bed. He said, because Jesus died between two things and that's how I want to leave the earth. But I know Mr. Tom, he's not a thief. He's a man of character and integrity. He's modeled life in this community and he's proven that. Oh, let me, I want so if I'm outside of my family in here and I hear somebody having Tom for lunch, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to speak up and say. I know the man. That's not the man you're talking about. You got the wrong Tom. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. I was, I was standing in the Christian school one day. There's a guy that didn't know me. He was having for lunch Mr. Terry Moore. Telling all kind of stuff about Terry or whatever. And he's talking to me. And he said, do you know him? I said, I know of him or whatever. And no more than that man said that right there. Do I know him? Know him? Terry stuck his head in the door and he said, Pastor, you about ready to go? <laughs> That's called sticking your foot in your mouth. What he said about him does not the man that I know. We don't trust one another. But what you're actually saying is this. I don't trust God with my heart amongst my own family. God knows what you need and He draws the people in your life to give you what you need. Pull up Psalm 68.6. I'm going to have to finish with this right here. I'm not going to get it. We'll come back Wednesday night. We're going to add to this. Psalm 68.6. 
says this, God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. If you can't commit to community, let me introduce you to what you're going to have, a sun-scorched land. There's blessing in community. Now, God sets the solitary in families. That word sets means He chooses. You don't choose your church. God chose your church. Some of you that have been here forever has ridden some kind of storms in this place and you walk away and you, you try to go somewhere else, but you wind up back right here. Why? Because God chose you to go here. He said, this is going to be your family. The first time I met Dusty was the, my very first Sunday at this church. He come in and said, Pastor, anything you need, I'll do. you want me to take up the offering? I said, Hey man, I, I don't. I'm, I'm thinking I don't know this cat. You know what I'm saying? He might take the. He might count it like this: check to the church, cash to me. So I'm thinking, what I'm gonna do? But then does he said he said he said, well, we take up the offer and we put it in the safe. And he walked down to the safe, punched the code into the safe. I said, somebody trust him. And he's been one of the greatest blessings in my life since I've been here. He's a phenomenal man. Are you with me? But my heart, listen, we don't, we, what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you. Pull up this scripture right here. I think uh, we'll check and see if I got it. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. See what that says. We're going to read it anyhow because you went through the trouble. Pull it up. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Look at this. God not only chose your family, he chose when you were going to enter into the earth. Are we reading out the Bible? And then he chose, hey, I'm going to put you in Adel, baby. Did not we just read this? So God chose, he chose when I was going to enter into the earth. He chose where I was going to live. Huh? I can tell you how this, for, for, for eight years, we were living on the promise that God was going to give us community church. Where do I live at in Adel? On Community Church Road. God's saying, I got a dwelling for you. I've chosen it. You got to really be a knucklehead to mess this thing up. That's how it's laid out. You really got to be, I'm, I'm telling you, you got to pull a stupid to mess up your destiny. We so work, well, I wonder if that's good. Listen, you got to be a knucklehead to mess up your destiny. God's got it that laid out for you. Now, listen to this. If he chose all of that and then he chose the family he's going to put you in, don't you think you could trust him with the people that's in that family? My daddy used to tell me this. He said, well, son, he said, you, you know, my dad didn't really know the Lord till right there at the end of his life. And so, um, I mean, I would do all kinds of stuff. I'd be preaching. I used to preach. And, man, I used to sweat like T.D. Jakes for running revivals and stuff. I'd take the towels and put them in his pillars. I'd pray over God, give him a third heaven and all of this stuff. But he came to know the Lord, glory to God, at the end of his life. And one of the things he would always tell me about church people, he said, listen, he said, he said, I'm not going, I'm going to not go to church with a bunch of hypocrites. I said, Dad, let me tell you the facts. Either you go to church with the hypocrite or you can go to hell with the hypocrite. Whichever one you're going to choose. 
Listen, I know that there's fakes and phonies in the church that speak Christianese and everything. But listen, twice outweighs the good in the church than it does the phonies. I can't worry about the phony that's riding the boat with me. Jesus said, let them stay right there. He said, let them grow along with the wheat. But hey, at the end, I'm going to separate the tare from the wheat. So one of the things i got to overcome is this. I've got to overcome my, my ability not to trust people. i got to start trusting. Listen, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was done wrong. He was sold out. They chose Barabbas, a doggone proven thief over him. But on the cross, he looks down and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, let's look at the last one. What time I got? What's the time? Somebody help me out. Huh? 11.50. I got 10 minutes right here because I'm going to eat with my, the woman that God chose for me to have. Thank God. So listen to this. The next thing we got to overcome. We will never be community till we learn how to navigate through a fence. I'm, I'm pre- this is good stuff I'm preaching to you this morning, y'all. I'm telling you right now. Listen, you ain't going to be in community when you wear your, sleeves on, uh, your feelings on your sleeves. Church ain't easy. You got dropped off in a war zone. Baby, you need gator hide. Has anybody been to church for a while besides me? I've been in churches, they check you at the front door for a knife and a gun. If you ain't got one, they give you one. Listen, Jesus said in Luke 17 verse 1, it's impossible that offenses will not come. Listen, we all going to have opportunity to get offended. And if you become part of community, you sure going to have the opportunity to get offended. Because then, once you get in here in family, you realize that we wear makeup. Huh? Look at how we live. You know one of the great things about heaven that you're not going to communicate just, you're not going to communicate by opening your mouth, speaking words. You will look at someone and you will know exactly what they're saying. Because there's no facade and nothing. There's true transparency. We're not really transparent in this room. We always show the best foot. I got a broke toe on that one. I won't see it. So what we have to learn how to do is to navigate through offenses. Are you with me? I'm going to have to preach this in 10 minutes, and I'll re-sew this back up Wednesday night. But let's go. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you how to navigate through an offense. And the book of Matthew 18 is a great chapter about being offended, about how to handle offenses and all of that. If we want to be part of family, you're going to have to know how to navigate through an offense. In other words, you, you felt like you were done wrong. Let me just settle this up right here, too. The reason why we get offended is because we really have false expectations of the people we're walking with. And because my expectation of someone is unreal, they can't meet that expectation for me. That's why the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. You with me? I mean, the preacher didn't. I've had, I had a lady to leave the church because I didn't shake her hand one Sunday. Are you kidding me? Or because I couldn't, or because I couldn't make it to a meal to eat with you. I barely get to eat with me. Somebody said, well, my God, he'd be eating with somebody. 
I heard it. I picked, I'm, like, I'm telling you, I got a great gift of discernment. I picked that up just like Jesus did. Somebody said, my God, he's been eating something. The Lord knows your heart. He'll judge you for it. No, I'm playing. Listen to this. We got to know how to navigate through offense. Listen to this. Jesus said when the offense comes, first of all, you don't get an offense, you get a wound. If you treat the wound, you'll go straight forward. Are you with me? Jesse just cut his hand with a skill saw right in front of me. It was a deep wound. But if that wound is treated correctly, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna go right on through life, moving straight on forward. Now, if he don't, if he don't take care of the wound he received, he could die. All right? So you remember when we preached the trophy hunter, the devil's constantly throwing that corn out for you to get offended. I'm telling you. Listen to this. And now, now check this out. Peter said, look at Peter, the most, the most abrupt, abrupt, just jacked up one out of the bunch. Said so how many times he got to forgive somebody? Well, he's cutting people's ears off and stuff. How many times we got to give them? Jesus said forgive them 70 times 70. He wasn't talking about forgive the girl down at McDonald's that didn't put no, that told you to pull up. Even worse than that, where the town we pastored at or whatever, went by, had to, had to go through McDonald's, got my sandwich open, had the lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise, and didn't even put the meat on there. <laughs> 47 miles I'm eating lettuce on, on, on bun with mayonnaise. I started to be like John. Jesus, you want me to call fire down on that city over this hamburger? Listen, he said, how many times do I got to forgive him? Seventy times seven. Seven times seventy. Peter said, oh, my God. Listen, he's not talking about the people you got to forgive or just down the street, the people you don't know. He's talking about the people you're walking with that have the power to hurt you. See, this is where we're getting real serious at right here on a Sunday morning. The reason why we don't choose community because what we're doing is we're lending that person the power and the ability to hurt me. But because I've been hurt doesn't mean I have the choice to isolate myself and go out here on my own. And so here, now I've got a wound. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> you just have to know me, okay? To 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 know me is to like me, uh, love me, or hate me. That's just how it is. I I'm not. I'm just not. Catherine says, you know, sometimes you know. I wish you could make that a little more palatable. I just don't have that personality. I I, I will say a, a lot of times. I mean, it's not like sometimes when I handle people, I don't, I just don't have that real loving, strong nature, pastoral gift. Asked her other night, I said, "Why do you reckon God gave us three boys?" She said, "You reckon? <laughs> You'd have crushed the little girl." You know what I'm saying? But this is what I learned. Terry taught me this. There's one thing. There's the reality of what you hear and what you perceived you heard. How many knows that's a big deal? Remember when God spoke to uh, when when God spoke to Jesus from heaven. Some said it thundered, right? Some heard thunder. Others heard the voice of God. It's some what you perceived you hear. Sometimes you hear exactly what you already jacked up, ready to hear. Same thing with seeing. You see what you're prepared to see. If you're raised Baptist, you see the Bible through Baptist lenses. 
If you was raised Methodist, you see it through Methodist lenses. If you raised Church of God, you see it through Church of God lenses. How many knows I'm in the, that, that's the truth? We see what we're prepared to see. That's one of the reasons why I don't draw and highlight all kind of stuff in my Bible because when I read it, I want to read it afresh. And I tell the Lord, God, I've heard this scripture right here preached 900 times, but I want to hear what you're saying to me out of it today. It's a living word according to Hebrews 4.12. So we have to learn how to navigate through those offenses and learn how to dress those wounds in church. First of all, this is what you do. If Cleve offends you, in your mind he put the blade through your back. Here's what you do. He gives us the prescription to how to dress the wound. If your brother has offended you, go to him alone. Now, this is not after you've made 60 phone calls inside the family. Amazing how we talk to everyone except the person. Here's how we will stop that in this house, okay? If, 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 um, if uh, Stephen comes to me and says, Mary Hill... I'm, yeah, I put your name on the CD, okay? Don't cut me nut. Uh, <laughs> you got them eyes. I don't know. She got it. She ain't packing a gun or nothing. Like a little twenty-five or nothing from this distance. You know, I'm a big target. You know, but if he tells me that, you know, Mary cussed me when we left the church or whatever. Let me tell you how to stop that right there. Say, Stephen, hold on a minute. Let's grab Miss Mary right here. That'll stop that right there. I'm telling you, what thing we got to quit doing is eating people's lunch inside the house of God. We have each other for dinner all the time. Paul said, be you careful lest you start consuming one another. Christian cannibals are a real deal. They eat on people all the time. So he said, you go to the person. Listen to what it says. It says, if he hears you, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. The goal of confrontation is to win your brother, not for you to be right. Good. It's good life lessons, right? The goal of the confrontation is to win that brother. That is above you being right. What I have learned in the 15 years that I've been married is I was wrong. <laughs> Mr. Billy, does that help? Huh? Okay. Because you don't want to split. Because if you split, it's split 50-50. She gets the house, you get the mortgage. She gets the car, you get the payment. The goal, listen, the goal is to win that brother. Because what God is saying in that is community is far more better than you walking around your womb. I want the community. I want the family. So the goal of that confrontation, listen, there's confrontation in family. Are you with me? And so when the womb comes, a lot of times what we do when the offense comes, we begin to isolate ourselves. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Listen, and if you don't deal with that, what happens is, is a seed just got dropped in there. And as you water it, as you water it, now you got a root of bitterness. And a root of bitterness is like a rotten apple sitting inside that the container full of apples. It will begin to get on every other apple in that bunch. There it is. Stand to your feet. That, that's it. Say, I told you. 
we got to stop right here. Listen, I'll finish this up. Listen, God wants community. One of the things we got to get over is, is this. Listen, don't walk around here with your, with your feelings on your sleeves. I mean, my gosh. Dusty always says this, get your positive panties on, baby. This is the real world. We got one common goal. What is that? It's to live and have our being inside the manifested presence of God. Are you with me? We want to have real life exchange inside this building. Real life. Are you with me? How many wants to live in a community like that? How many wants it to be like that? All right, stand with me right here. We've got to pray. I'm not done preaching. I just got to stop. Just got to stop. So, touch your neighbor on the shoulder. The hand might be sweaty. I don't want you. You don't need to get that close yet. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this group that you have placed inside this city you've called us before the foundations of the earth that we should live and move and have our being right here in this community and yet you planted this church father right here i thank you for those that are called to this family to this body of believers lord i pray over every one of them this morning because there's a blessing that is commanded in Psalms 133 when the brethren dwell in unity. When we come in community, there's a blessing that's released over this whole group of people. And Father, this morning, I bless their house. I bless them. I bless every life represented right here in this room this morning. And I pray, God, uh, just that you would take us deeper in communion with, with, with each other. Deeper in the realm of the Spirit, but deeper in the in, with each other, God. Help us to exchange true life, God. Help us to strengthen one another. Help us to be uh, provide safety for one another, God. Help us to treat our brother better than we treat ourselves, God. And and try to do our best to make um to to make every to do our best to live peaceably with all men is what I'm trying to say. And Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for um, for everyone that's in this place this morning. I thank you for what our ears have heard. And God, we bless them today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.